0: Our body, our ancient body, brilliant body knows what to do with bone broth. When we nourish ourselves with, um, yeah, with sacred animal foods, Mm -hmm. there is a digestion and a kind of calming to the nervous system and and a deep nourishment that happens in a way that our ancestors would have recognized.
1: Hey friends, welcome to the Medicine Stories Podcast, where we are remembering what it is to be human upon the earth. This is episode 88. I'm Amber Magnolia Hill. Today I'm sharing my interview with Katya Nova. Sort of goes in two parts. The first part is all about Katya's life, being born in Ukraine, now in Costa Rica, living with her ex-husband and their four kids and his new partner, Nikki, and her three kids. So three adults raising seven kids in the jungle and how that all came to pass and what it looks like. And then we get into food and nourishment from our vegan pregnancies and postpartum periods to now after long meandering paths, eating for our biology and not our ideology. And underlying the whole conversation is the question how do we balance parenthood, sexuality, nourishment, and fulfilling our deepest dreams and desires? I don't think there's an answer for that, but I think it's a question worth exploring that every woman and mother I know is constantly exploring. You'll hear at the very beginning of the interview the story of how Katy and I met. It's really beautiful. And we've stayed connected online ever since. And in 2020, Katya invited me to be a part of her new project called Matriarch Collective, which is a collection of online videos, interviews, talks, resources from a bunch of different women, wise women, matriarchal women. And it was this amazing village. Like she said, it was almost like a festival with frequent Zoom gatherings and rituals and it was a wild success, and it was super fun to be a part of, and I learned so much from watching the other women's interviews and videos, and I'm so stoked now to be a part of what she's calling Matriarch 2.0, The Confessions So, it started out being called Confessions of an Ex Vegan. And I was really stoked watching this idea unfold in her Instagram stories. Katya's always sharing a lot about her process and what she's going through and creating. And um, I just loved it because I came out as ex vegan 15 years ago. It's a big part of my story. I've shared it a number of times on this podcast, but go into it much deeper and share things I've never shared before in my talk on confessions and then it it evolved though into confessions of a well-nourished woman when katya realized it's not just about transitioning away from a plant-based diet it's about so much more than that psychedelics sexuality relationships everything all all the things we modern matriarchs deal with in our day-to-day lives A couple days ago, I was taking a walk with my beloved friend, Susie Hazen, who was my guest on episode 18 of this podcast, the first one really where I talked about my vegan journey and we talked really openly about animal based eating. And on this talk, Susie said something that will always stick with me. She said, Well, yeah, it's not medicine lessons, it's medicine stories. (laughs) We were talking about how we learn through story, we learn through conversation. These really like didactic preaching at classroom type ways of learning tend to shut people down. And information doesn't stay with us as well as it does as when it comes through people's shared stories, often in a conversational form so that's why i do this podcast that's why i love matriarch collective and now the confessions within matriarch collective because it's a collection of stories that will help you step away from diet culture towards a more pro-metabolic way of eating and living and gives you the most simple delicious nutrient-dense and kid-approved recipes and kitchen hacks so my most recent episode 87 with Kimber Malden just went crazy. Like the amount of responses I have gotten in Kimber as well has been overwhelming so if if you loved that one you're going to love this one. In my talk within the Confessions space we yeah we go into my whole vegan and vegetarian history. And again, I I share things I've never really been comfortable sharing publicly on the podcast. So I'm sharing them there behind a little paywall. Um, The moment I woke up to what I had done to my health all those years and coming out of the vegan closet, I kind of turned the tables on Katya um, and become the interviewer. And we talk about what piece of information in the book, Nourishing Traditions made Katya cry. The story of her birth and how the doctor slapped her mother, um, how her mom's milk dried up when Katya was a three-month-old baby, and then now recently Katya's milk dried up when her fourth baby was the same age that she was when her mom's milk dried up, and turning to ancestral practices for feeding infants when mother's milk isn't an option anymore. So homemade, whole foods formula recipes, goat milk, other nursing women... We talk about why intuitive eating isn't enough, why we stopped forcing our little ones to eat vegetables. I challenged Katya on a post she made that said, animal foods build, plant foods cleanse. And we explore why I questioned the second part of that sentence. And we talk about the legacy of my mom's constant dieting and desire to be healthy as I was growing up and what I wish I could share with her now if she was still here. So those are all part of my talk in the confessions. Of course, there's a link in the show notes. It'll be the first link down there. Um, other women interviewed who have been on this podcast include Rochelle Garcia Saliga, Kimber Malden, Ariella Daly, Michaela De La Mico, and Marisha Mirnauska. Other women who have not been on my podcast, but I would love to be, and I repost their content on Instagram all the time, are Tara of Slowdown Farmstead, Veladia of Earth Mama Medicine, and Kendra of The Holistic Mother. So link to... To get access to all of this will be in the show notes, as well as the link to a masterclass taught by Katya and Nikki, her sister wife, called Cosmic Meal Plan for Picky Eaters, which is amazing. It's all about how they feed their collective seven children every day, in and out, in and out, in and out. So there's also two Patreon bonuses to go along with this. The first one is an extra like 17 minute conversation between Katya and I, in which we talk about cultivating bumble expertise and the power of clear intentions and unadulterated honesty when dating online, the vulnerability of dating and sex again after marriage and four kids. So she's like super duper honest here about what her post-divorce, online dating sex life looks like. And it's, it's different than anything you've heard from anyone before about this. And I share the two second action that never fails to snap me out of the state of feeling annoyed with my husband or children. This is like some really deep, ancient, biological, primal shit that so easily snaps me out of that stressful state. The second Patreon bonus is an ebook from Katya called 15 Ancestral Kitchen Tips for a Recovering Vegan. It's lovely. And oh, I love this quote that I saw in here from one of my favorite ever cookbooks that I discovered very soon after I stopped being vegan Full Moon Feast Food and the Hunger for Connection by Jessica Prentice. The quote is The more a culture is intact, the fewer cookbooks it produces. I mean, how many cookbooks does our culture produce? How many cookbooks are on your shelf? I have very, very many, very, very many. And yeah, I encourage you to listen to the end. I do a little outro. And in that, I share one tiny food change, one pro-metabolic biology hack that I have made since recording the last interview with Kimber. So I hadn't done this yet at that time that has me sleeping through the night. It put an end to my night waking. And many other friends have done this as well and are so stoked that they are waking up completely refreshed. It's so simple. And again, it's just rooted in our ancestral biology. So one last thing before we get into the interview, I want to share words from this post by Mineral Shaman on Instagram this account has been blowing my mind. It's somewhat new. I see all the people I love to follow the most sharing his words as well. So the post goes, humans are the only species that need to read books about what to eat or how to give birth or how to breathe. The deer don't have doulas or midwives or OBGYNs. The lions don't take breathwork classes. The rabbits don't rely on their nutritionists to plan out the perfect meal plan. The eagles don't have life coaches. That's my favorite. It's in our nature to know these things too, but humans have been overthinking since the dawn of civilization. We must relearn how to feel deeply, to revel in connection with the elements and earth, and to listen to the whispers of our body's innate wisdom. We must remember ourselves into community where we can fully see, support, and heal each other. We must let go of what we think we know about who we are and allow ourselves to become so much more. So here we all are living in these modern times, not living in ancestral times, needing that help, needing that guidance, even though we know it's not ideal or not how our ancestors lived. We are modern matriarchs making the best of the culture that we've been given. And I'm so grateful for wayfinders like Katya and for creating amazing containers like the Confessions, like Matriarch Collective. I'm so grateful to have this podcast and be able to share medicine stories with you instead of medicine lessons. And so let's dive right into this beautiful interview with Katya Nova. Katya, welcome to Medicine Stories. Amber, my love, I'm so happy to finally be here. Yes, we've been talking about this for a while. And you know, I want to spontaneously actually tell the story of how we met. I know that I told this at the end of your interview with me for Matriarch Collective, but I just want the people listening to know who you are and this beautiful moment that happened. So it was at the spirit weavers gathering. It was in Mendocino at the time, 2016. I was just getting into my seventh month of pregnancy and it was the last day of the gathering. And there was this beautiful ceremony, the closing ceremony that I had participated in, in previous years and other women's gatherings I'd been to had done similar closing ceremonies. And it's very emotional. And my mother had died in a car accident six months previous. And I was like, I can't participate this year. I'm going to be a weeping mess. Like I'm going to fall apart if I participate. So I'm just going to watch. So I, I watched like the first half from the upstairs of the big lodge that was right there. And I felt great. I was like, this is so beautiful. I love all these women. And then I walked downstairs into the little tea room. And I don't know if it was the change in setting. I don't know what happened. But as soon as I walked in that room, I fell apart. I was a sobbing mess. And it was one of those times where I was like locked in it. Like I couldn't get a breath. I couldn't find my way out of it. And then at some point, this beautiful woman appears in the doorway pushing a stroller with a baby in it. or He was like one maybe at the time. And I didn't know who you were at the time. But you saw me and you just came, you sat right next to me. You showered me with the love and witnessing that I needed in that moment. And I don't think a lot of people <laughs> I don't think a lot of people could have done it the way you did. Um, it was just perfect and it was exactly what I needed, and I was so grateful. And you know, we talked a little bit and then Zion needed you and you you moved on and the, the ceremony ended and and then later I found you online and I was like, oh my gosh, look at this amazing, beautiful woman doing all this work in the world and holy shit. So thank you so much, Katya, for just blessing a total stranger with your love and attention that day.
0: We're one minute in and I am sobbing, <laughs> <laughs> of course. I love you. And this just speaks to how interconnected we are. And how we are all just part of one big womb, one big pulsing organism. We show up for each other in small ways and big, and we never really know what impact, you know, one hug, one moment of holding space can make. So thank you. I love that story so much. And Spirit Weavers was such an extraordinary experience for me. I flew from Dominican Republic where I was living at the time with a one-year-old, which is crazy. And he was, you know, we call him a spirited child. <laughs> and so I had many um, moments of of breakdown where other women helped me um, during that week.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. I took when my oldest was two, I took her to the Northern California Women's Herbal Symposium and I left after one night. It was like, this just actually isn't worth it. <laughs> like, I'm not enjoying myself. I'm not relaxing. It's so hard. So since then, when I'm at these gatherings, I really try to support the mamas with little ones. You know, like camping and getting yourself to breakfast on time, and let alone trying to enjoy a class. Like, good luck. Mm. Mm. So I want to i don't I don't know a lot about you actually, even though like I told you, I'm pretty sure I see every story you put up on Instagram for years and years. I would like to know, maybe we can kind of base this quick bio on like geography, the I know you've lived in many countries, the places you've lived, the people who were a part of those moves and and your family.
0: Thank you so much. That's a great place to root. <laughs> Sometimes I joked before what before what's unfolding in Ukraine, um, as of recent, I've joked that I am a citizen of the world. And it feels really true to me because although I was born and raised in Ukraine for the first twelve years of my life, I then proceeded to live the second kind of third of my life in Canada. And then the final third, thus far, in Dominican Republic before moving to Costa Rica, where I have lived now for a little less than a year. So I've really been kind of all over the place. And that feels really exciting for a young woman. And also it's really easy to forget who you are. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate your question because now more than ever, I've um, been on this never ending search for What does this ancestral healing mean in my life? What does it mean to be a rooted woman, a woman steeped in tradition, a woman um, healing through through her ancestry and also thriving through her ancestry? Uh, So, yeah, (laughs) Uh, Ukraine is never a place that I consider really like my home because I was very young when I left, but it's through cooking and song that I've been reclaiming um, my roots and just remembering the wisdom of my grandmothers through some of these ancestral traditions. Now living in Costa Rica... I'm happier than I've ever been in my whole life. I think this is the, my favorite place that I've ever lived. And it feels like this is going to be home. This is the place where I will root into in a way that I never have before, because we just closed on a property on a piece of land. It's a beautiful place up in the mountains, about two hours away from the coast. If anyone knows uh, Envision Festival, it's kind of a two-hour drive up towards the mountains, a colder area of Costa Rica, and it's, um, it's a four-and-a-half acre piece of land that I am so looking forward to stewarding, um, and we can get into it, you know, but geographically speaking, maybe that's where, yeah, that's where I feel like I've really landed now, being 35, feeling like I'm this modern matriarch of my family (laughs) Mm -hmm. and finally having found
1: a place an actual place to be yeah we're definitely going to talk about how your family four kids sort of dissolved and then made itself anew in Costa Rica there but I'm I'm curious with the devastating news out of Ukraine and having your feed flooded with this news and talking to your family members who are there and talking to folks there. I mean, you can talk about any, any piece of that you wish, but are you, is it evoking memories that haven't been present in a long time?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let me touch my heart and touch my womb space and just see what wants to come through about that. Of course, the the two places where we go uh, are grief and joy when it comes to memories of childhood. And I remember the very first time that I visited Ukraine after we had immigrated to Canada. I was 18 years old and I remember coming back to my childhood home and just falling to my knees in front of my childhood house. And bawling my eyes out because nothing was the same. And you know how when you're really small, everything seems really big, like <laughs> physically, right? And I was looking around, and I was like, wow, everything is so tiny and everything is so like just it doesn't feel the same because the spirit of my family was no longer in that house. Mm-hmm. And so it was just this, this realization that memories just live within us and not in the physical places anymore. Um, so just that realization that that was really not home and I had to find a home within myself. That was really challenging. And then fast forward, maybe another decade, there had been a fire that completely destroyed the home. My family back in Ukraine, think they sent us a picture And I actually printed out the picture and I have it on my altar, on my ancestor altar, because now that place feels like an ancestor. Mm. And so all the memories that I have of growing up in Ukraine are just so beautiful. We lived in the countryside, I had a big garden, there were chickens. I loved just going into the garden with a big pitcher of water and just like washing strawberries and dill and eating everything and picking eggs. And all of those memories are kind of finding their way back into my life now as I'm preparing to start a homestead. But yeah, it's just adding to the the beauty and the pain as I see the devastation happening, happening in Ukraine. And I know that there are just so many narratives as we don't know what to believe as we watch the news and our Instagram feeds. But what I see is what my family and friends tell me. And they say things like, um, like my best friend just sent me a message and, and she was like, you know, I just started smoking again because since I was the last time she was smoked when, was when she was 12 years old and we were hiding behind (laughs) behind our school. Mm -hmm. And she says, you know, I started smoking because it because I can't breathe. I can't, I can't take a breath, because our cities are being bombed, destroyed, and it's it's hard to leave. And so it's it's these it's these stories that feel so gut-wrenching that I'm not sure if I'll ever be able to come back or if I'll ever bring my children there. And yet there's this pride and there's this soul that's a, awakening in all, all the people. It's like this collective strength and resilience. And being here in Costa Rica, I feel it too. For the first time in my life, i I have been feeling truly fucking Ukrainian. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm what can I do other than meditate and send love and raise money? Well, I'm going to make my sauerkraut. I'm going to make cabbage rolls. I'm going to remember my grandmother's prayers. I'm going to sing in Ukrainian. And so there's this really interesting thing that happens I think when we feel the the pain and the grief is it's strengthening our rootedness kind of into the like on a cellular DNA level, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm feeling. that's like a really long winded.
1: That's <laughs> so beautiful. Just last night, I listened to Barry Weiss's latest podcast. Her podcast is called Honestly. And the title of this was Things Worth Fighting For. And mm-hmm. she she writes about that in the beginning, this like collective spirit that's rising in Ukraine. And it was so beautiful to read about and to understand and and then she's comparing it to America, which is just being torn apart by culture wars and identity politics. And so she's kind of making like that comparison. But to then hear that from someone with people who are still there from you, and to really that's just really beautiful. And I mean, when you interviewed me a few days ago and I was in South Lake Tahoe, my hometown, I every time I'm there which is a couple times a year. I go on a drive by myself. And it's usually like I went to the grocery store and then I'm leaving and I'm like, Oh, I I wonder if I could find my way to Lindsay's old house. Oh yeah. There, you know, and I always end up sobbing every single time I sob as I drive around. Um, and I always go to the house I grew up into and I did that this time and it's different. The people have changed it and I'm looking at it and I'm like, it's the same, but it's different. And I think about that all the time um, and I have no words for it. I can never find the words like memory and nostalgia and how things live inside us, even though they don't exist anymore. And my favorite writers and speakers are people who can actually do justice to (laughs) these giant feelings of loss and childhood and memory. Um, Why did your family move to Canada?
0: Yeah, that's a big loaded question. Why does anybody leave the place where they're born? Yeah, and, and then really why gone. did you leave Canada? So I was twelve when when we left, and so let me just see how concise I can be. Well, it sucked to be living there <laughs> because mm-hmm. the Soviet Union fell apart in nineteen ninety one. And my parents were doctors. My dad isn't, was at, uh, at that time an ENT surgeon, one of the top surgeons in, in our city, which is Kharkiv. Maybe some people have heard it because it's, it's being bombed heavily. It's just, yeah. Um, so that's my hometown. And my mom was a neurologist there. So we were a family of, you know, like a upper middle class and yet it was really hard to make ends meet. The only way that we could was because we had a house in the countryside and we, you know, my mom was canning tomatoes and like preserving meats, and, and we had a root cellar and that's the only way that we could survive. Also bartering. And I remember my dad was being paid for surgeries in like chickens or if somebody worked at um like a chocolate factory, the only way that they could pay was in, in, in boxes of chocolate. It was, it was an interesting way to live and people still still live like that in, in many places in the world, but my parents really wanted a better life for me. And so they had done everything they could to, to leave. And there were several options. Of course, the States, everyone tries to go to the States uh, and it's challenging. Canada was um, maybe the top choice. Peru even was a consideration. And so It was such a process um, to apply and make my parents sold everything we had in order to pay a lawyer and find a way to immigrate. And the process took three years. Um, So I remember there were conversations, kind of in hushed tones, around the dinner table, and we never—my parents didn't know what the outcome of that process would be, even though they paid everything to to this immigration lawyer. And then one day. I remember it was such a celebration, although I didn't really know what that meant for our life, but our lives would change forever. And my parents uh, received a letter of acceptance to come to Vienna for an interview. And upon, you know, the successful completion of that interview, we would be able to leave and move to, to Canada. And we came to Canada with, I remember we had three suitcases, <laughs> not a whole lot of money, something like maybe an equivalent of about $200. And we relied on the help of a church and some kind neighbors and slowly built our life. That was in 99, so many, many years ago. And with that unfolded, of course, a a teenage journey of being in a new new country, learning English language, getting into a whole lot of trouble as a teenager. Mm -hmm. All of that. Mm
1: -hmm. wow yeah how are your parents now
0: oh they've they've built such a beautiful life they were actually able to uh, become nurses because as it goes diplomas are not recognized when people move like this Mm -hmm. but they've built really beautiful careers and even now they're they're in canada And uh, yeah, they come visit. When I lived in Dominican Republic for ten years, they would come usually twice a year. Yeah, they haven't visited us here in Costa Rica yet, but that's coming. And it's getting harder and harder because now we have all these beautiful kids, and (laughs) we miss the kids. Um, And I do hope that we're going to be living in one, one place
1: at um, yeah in the near future. Uh So, what brought you to Dominican Republic? oh my gosh, isn't that interesting how
0: fate, destiny (laughs) has a way of magnetizing us to, to these really unique places. I became a wedding photographer, even though I have a degree in psychology and business, which is pretty useless.
1: (laughs) Not really though. I mean, thinking about like the businesses that you've built and the, you're really good at marketing. (laughs) I guess but you know all of that knowledge I would say did not
0: come from school it came from learning from people who were actually doing it so I remember sitting in lectures in in university with my laptop open and just reading the lecture ahead of time so that in class I can zone out and do research into um, photography because I knew that I, I really loved people I really loved creating beautiful motion, moments and emotion and I saved up for a camera, like a, you know, a really nice one. And it was a really lovely way to make a bit of extra money. And I was always taking it a little bit further, a little bit further. So where I learned my business skills is really, I would say, okay, who is really doing it right? And at the time, so this was maybe a decade ago, and I would say even now, SoCal was the place where photographers wedding photographers were making a ton of money there was like celebrity status for wedding photographers so I would take their workshops and fly uh, you know save up my money and fly to to learn and then eventually I got a booking for a destination wedding and it was in Dominican Republic mm-hmm. that that was interestingly a time when I met Rob who would become my husband And I said, hey, do you want to fly with me? These people are paying for my trip. I'm staying there for a week. Come on vacation with me. And so we went and it's, of course, so beautiful, stunning beaches, white sand. And I remember we went for a walk maybe the day after the wedding, which went really beautifully. And I remember thinking, wow, okay, there's tourists. Yes, but also these people look like they live here. They're wearing jeans. They're not you know, laying on the beach. Wait a minute. What if we live here? That would mean that people don't have to fly us. We're already here. What if we could establish ourselves? And at that time, there wasn't really anyone of the caliber that North American brides were seeking. So we just did it. We, we made the move. And at that time there wasn't Instagram. There wasn't Facebook groups there was none of that so it was a really grassroots effort to which I was not new to that (laughs) I was like okay let's we can do this and we just ended up staying and your relationship was new very new yeah Mm -hmm.
1: you're (laughs) like really the queen of leaps of faith and trusting what's calling you and going for it a hundred percent
0: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for seeing that. Yeah, when I think back to that time, it's you know, I mean we were young, we didn't have kids, we rented this apartment that cost about I think four or five hundred dollars. The water was so harsh and you know smelled like sewage and um because we were so close to the beach with terrible furniture and cockroaches it's not what you think when you think like oh you moved to a Caribbean island it must have been so wonderful and it was but um at at first we really yeah we really had to work hard to be known and I remember my parents were like Oh, you just wait. When you come back home with a tail between your legs from your extended vacation, don't (laughs) worry. You can stay in the basement. You can live in the basement. (laughs) So the rebel and the the matriarch in me was like, fuck no, I'm going to make a beautiful life. I'm not coming back to live in your basement. And I never did.
1: Mm -hmm. So (laughs) at that time... What was your and Rob's vision for your life and for your future? And how has that shifted?
0: Wow. You just are going right for it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the vision
0: was so beautiful. We loved to travel. We loved festivals. We loved mindfulness. We loved wine And and so, all of those things we did, we ended up, we would work really hard for a season and then save up. And we took several trips to India to do different yoga teacher trainings. We traveled to places like Bali and Thailand, so many festivals, Burning Man, several years, all before we started having kids. And then, you know, when you love each other, And you, um, yeah, you, you want to form a family. That was the next step. And so we got pregnant and then we did like one big trip. It was India, Bali, Thailand, Burning Man. And they were like, okay, I'm never going to conceive. And so we did and we still would work um, our weddings in Dominican Republic and started having babies. And it turned out we were really good at that. <laughs> yeah, how many? So it was like five pregnancies in seven years. Mm-hmm.
1: Two boys, and then a girl, and then a miscarriage, and now you have a baby boy.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, I don't know how the last one snuck in there, but. <laughs> I joke sometimes that I'm like a 3D printer for souls.
1: (laughs) (laughs) At some point you and Rob started this podcast, Honey Talks. Mm. And I think, I mean, even though I had, you know, we had already met and I'd been following you, but that's when I really started tuning in. And that was a lot about sex and the female body and relationships and, you guys are very honest and vulnerable about how having kids changes a sexual relationship. <laughs> and I, I, I guess I don't even know what my question is. Well, let's talk about the evolution of your marriage.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a really important piece. So I, I want to preface this by saying that I am a manifesting generator. And I, once I started learning about human design, I really gave myself permission to kind of just be okay with having so many cookie jars in my life, just having so many projects. So I know that throughout this conversation, we're jumping around and there's like Matriarch Collective, there's the Honey Talks podcast, there's... My past life of being a wedding photographer and just all of these things that I've done in my life, there, there of course, is a common thread uh, woven through it. But yeah, there's a lot of projects <laughs> that sometimes felt seemingly unrelated. One of them, and maybe the first time that I really, other than my Instagram account, put myself out there and really put our story out there, was with Honey Talks podcast. And when Rob and I went on especially road trips or especially when a little bit of wine was involved, we would have really good conversations and we would constantly say, you know, we should be recording this because I bet you other people are experiencing this too. And, um, you know, even now, like we're we're not together anymore for anyone who doesn't know, spoiler alert. (laughs) We, after 10 beautiful years are not together anymore, but we've always been such good friends. That's always been the common denominator. We laugh so, so much. We're truly a solid team even now. And so because we were working together, living together, traveling together, all of it. Uh, well, maybe it's a bit of a cliche, but intimacy tends to kind of take a backseat. Like I'm talking passion and good sex tend to kind of fizzle out when you are um, working together and often kind of snapping at each other because one person didn't do this or, or that and it just slowly fizzles fizzles out. Add to that a child. Then, yeah, often oftentimes it gets even worse. And so the first episode of, of our podcast, I believe was called something like, is there really sex after kids? <laughs> it was something clickbaity like that, <laughs> and so we recorded a really honest conversation because after I had Zion, my first, who is six now, six and a half, I had a beautiful pregnancy. I had a beautiful birth with a midwife. She never touched me. She never checked me. It was it was like textbook perfect by by. All accounts, and yet sex was painful for a year, maybe a little more than a year after that. It literally felt like there were shards of glass at the entrance of my yoni when there was even hint of penetration of any kind. And I go into this quite deeply in my newest project called The Confessions. We talk about this with Carly Ray. And kind of the healing that has that is connected to, um, often like plant-based journeys and the resiliency of our of our tissues. But oh. at that time, it just really took me by surprise, and I was feeling so much inadequacy and grief. Um, that as this new mom who's super healthy, drinking my green juice on the white sand beaches of Dominican Republic, behind the scenes. I was having no sex at all and no no libido, no desire. And so for a while, you know, like a, a husband can be wonderful and understanding and something needs to change, right? And so that actually led us to healing modalities. And one of them was a THC infused lube that our friend made. And that was what, Change things. So I don't know if it was a combination of things. I mean, I, we hadn't had sex for over a year and I was healing more or less. And so with that THC infused lube that was just like homemade by a friend, we were finally having like pretty decent sex for the first time in a long time. And so Honey Talks was kind of a project where we would speak very openly and honestly about our life behind the scenes, our relationship, our sex. And the idea was to bring that product out into the world. And so we created a brand called fucking honey, a- FKN honey. It's still in, its, <laughs> it's still on the back burner. Maybe one, one day we'll make it, but we were just so inspired. Yeah. That, That those two things were supposed to be fused, Mm
1: -hmm. and then
0: Honey Talks just became a place where I could say things that I couldn't in a short Instagram post. Mm -hmm.
1: And you started interviewing all sorts of healers, and it it was really all based on yeah, like women's health, sexuality, pelvic health. I remember the one with Christine Kent—is that her name? Mm -hmm. That that really really shifted some things for me. But yeah, I've been a mom for fifteen years now, and. Every time I'm with my mom, friends, other women in heterosexual relationships, this is what we talk about. We talk Uh about the difficulties of being married to a man, (laughs) raising children (laughs) together. We talk about sex and the lack of desire that comes after you have kids. But we talk about you a lot too, especially since you've been so honest about your relationship dissolving and reforming like I have a really close girlfriend who two little kids and she's going through a divorce. She just she like woke up one day and was like I'm gay first of all. Why did I marry this man 11 years ago? She hooked up with a woman. She's like so vibrant and vital and stoked on life and starting all these new projects and really she like loves you since I introduced her to you and she's like oh shit, how do I make this work financially? Oh God, where how are we gonna live? What is you know, and I've just I've seen so many women go through this, including myself with my first partnership. So, and like, you know, when Sex at Dawn came out, 10 oh, plus yeah. I I like led a book group all about that. Me and various friends have always talked about other relationship configurations that could happen. So I oh man, you were like teasing your followers for so long though. <laughs> Pregnant with your fourth. You're pregnant with your fourth. And you're like, we're opening up the marriage. I'm connecting with my ex. I'm flying up to Canada to meet him. (laughs) Or you just had us all on the edge of our seats. Like, what is gonna happen? How do we? How do we? (laughs) I don't, I don't, it's such a big question. I don't even know if like fulfilling our needs is what I'm looking for. How do we follow our deepest dreams and desires while being mothers in partnership? And I don't think there's an answer for that, but tell us how this has unfolded for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know that to some people it sounds and looks insane what I had done, but as you so kindly put it, just taken leaps of faith in my life and I don't know if that's ever going to change and so some people say like oh you're so brave for for doing that but it doesn't feel brave to me because it feels like the only way because if I don't do it I'm going to suffocate Mm -hmm. and so there's something to be said about following anything that makes your heart feel exposed expansive so even as I'm as I'm saying this right now I'm feeling like my shoulders go back and my heart open a little bit at any time even in the day we always have a choice do I follow the impulse that brings my heart forward or do I not and the more we practice doing that the more it's like the obvious thing, even if it feels really scary or really inconvenient, or just plain crazy. And so what I did was plain crazy. and it didn't work out. <laughs> but it also did really beautifully. and theres there were clearly really big lessons. Um, so yeah, there's a lover that has been a catalyst in my life for a lot of heart expansion and also a lot of pain. I was in love. Uh, when I was twenty years old, and things didn't end well then, but I never was able to forget him. And so, fourteen years later, we we had never kept in touch. We had one friend in common that I knew I could reach out to to see how how he was doing. And I don't know what possessed me, Amber. I don't know <laughs> something did, um, and I didn't even realize that it was Valentine's Day this was last year February 14th I'm eight weeks pregnant something possesses me to reach out to a mutual friend and ask about this ex-lover and he answered right away and I got a phone number and like without even realizing what I was doing my fingers were already typing a whatsapp message to this man that I hadn't spoken to in 14 years and almost immediately we started talking and then like I remember I went to the beach and my heart was pounding because we were going to have a, like a video conversation. And so there I was sitting on a, on a kind of lawn chair, wind in, wind in my hair on the beach. Didn't not knowing if I was going to like cry or laugh or what seeing this man's face. And I thought we were going to just talk one time and that would be it. I just wanted to see how he was doing, if he was married, if he had kids. but that's not what happened. We talked again and then again, and then again. But it was that very night on February 14th, the first time we talked, I came right back, you know, home to Rob, and that evening I was like, "You know, I have to be super honest with you. I reconnected with an old love. We just talked. And I want to ask you, how would you ever feel? If like he came here for and we had a weekend together or like at some point in my life ever, would you be okay with me connecting with him in an intimate way? Because Rob and I had talked about non-monogamy a ton on our podcast and and, you know, in life behind the scenes, but it was always kind of hypothetical because I honestly had no desire for sex. I had no libido. I thought there was something wrong with me for so many years because the way that I would describe it is it felt like things were, I was seeing mm, sexuality in black and white. Like I know what it feels like. I know it's there, but I'm not seeing color. It's just gone. Like there's just no desire, no libido and i thought it would it was connected to you know breastfeeding for so many years the pelvic prolapse like all of these things and yes that is true but also i apparently needed a catalyst to wake me the fuck up in that in that way and that's what this lover did yeah and i went to see him and rob was like of course, go because we thought, you know, this is going to spice up our marriage. It's going to be wonderful. And I remember Rob saying things like, why don't you go see him now before you're too pregnant? <laughs> um, yeah. And I did. And so then the conversations about polyamory unfolded in our family. We dived deep into everything. So it was podcasts and Books and what's the what's the main one? Ethical Slut is the main one, and of course, Sex at Dawn. Then there's also Untrue by Dr. Wednesday Martin, who I interviewed also on on Honey Talks. That was a really eye-opening book about how the myths we believe about his, uh, female sexuality are just so off, so off. But things did not unfold the way that we were hoping. I thought that I would just be this modern matriarch with two husbands. <laughs> At that time, we were looking for land in Dominican Republic. And I thought, you know, I can have it all. I really can. I can stay married to Rob, whom I love dearly. Uh, with there would be all these children. And then I'm also going to have my other love living with us. And so, like, everyone was on board with this. But, um, you know, life has other... <laughs> other other plans Mm -hmm. so what happened when you went to canada we had a passionate two weeks i realized that there's nothing wrong with me i can see color (laughs) (laughs) and wheels were set into motion to figure out how to merge our lives together and it was it was a really beautiful time it was a really kind of heart expanding time But I was also stuck between these two paradigms. I knew that I wanted to live in a place like um, Dominican Republic or Costa Rica at that time wasn't wasn't really an option, but I knew I didn't want to be living in Edmonton, Canada, in a residential neighborhood, how it's not really set up, that kind of a life is not set up for polyamory. (laughs) what i was imagining was a beautiful piece of land with you know several like homes and communal areas and it quickly became apparent that my my lover wasn't exactly down with with that at first he was but then he really wanted to be in canada and so the more we talked about the vision the more it became apparent that it the pieces just don't fit and so a lot of heartbreak <laughs> followed, and we we actually came back to um to Canada for a time. So I, by that point, I was pretty pregnant, like seven eight months pregnant. And um, I know that a lot of listeners are probably shaking their head and thinking to themselves, "Come on, Katya! Like you should have known that this is going this is not gonna end well." And I understand that. I understand that point of view. But again, I just couldn't not follow the call of of my heart. Interestingly, at the very same time, our life in Dominican Republic on the island after 10 years, beautiful years, had begun kind of falling away in a very mysterious way. So I don't know how deep we want to go into it, but I had a school that was called New Earth and it, I felt so tied and it, it's such a beautiful project that I felt I could never leave. Mm-hmm. But then it just so unfolded that our landlord very sneakily took over the project and kicked us out and our contract, we couldn't enforce. And that was really, really sad. Then the, the kind of the true matriarch of my household, her name is Carmen. Rest in peace, beloved Carmen, she died at 60 and she was full of energy. She was she ran my basically my household while while I did all these projects and helped me raise my kids. And she she had a tumor and, and died. It was Yeah, it was devastating. And I also thought I could never leave Carmen. Like this is my family. We sold our house. And it just felt like all of the roots that were tying us to Dominican Republic, everything was dissolving saying like, okay, the island was literally felt like the island was kicking us out. Our search for land also was steeped in so much mystery because we would find a beautiful piece of land that was like in our price range and had everything we we thought we wanted. And then something super bizarre would happen. Like the realtor would call us and say, guys, I'm so sorry. I actually showed you the wrong piece of land. It's not for sale. (laughs) I mean, it was, it was humorous actually, you know, it's like spirit was playing with us.
1: (laughs) I remember I was following along on your stories during this time. And it was a lot of hopes dashed and up and downs and back and forths and yeah.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm so then we we realized that maybe dominican is not a place for us and and at that point yeah it was pretty clear that our marriage needed to transition into something else we we were much better as co-parents and yeah i realized i didn't want to be married anymore mm. and that was really really
1: hard mm-hmm. yeah pregnant with your fourth Going through two heartbreaks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh,
0: yeah, xavi the my last little one, he's a very special soul. I always thought, like, how much pain are you holding, helping me hold in my womb, in my heart? I mean, it was the kind of pain, I'd never felt this kind of pain before in my life. It's the kind of pain where you want to wail. You want to just throw your body onto the earth and wail and nothing
1: helps. (laughs) Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you end up in Costa Rica? And how did you end up having the opposite of what you envisioned, which is Rob lives on a piece of land with his two wives?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got to. I got to plug my beloved sister and friend, Carla Muzika. She is an Akashic Records, extraordinary clairvoyant reader. And she was really helping guide me. And I was was sharing these stories on Instagram as well as everything was unfolding. But I would basically call her up and have a session once every few weeks. (laughs) Carla, tell me. (laughs) Tell me what you see. and so one of the first sessions that I ever had with her we were looking for land in Dominican Republic and so she dropped into the Akashic Records and she was saying you know I see something else it's not on the island and she said there's options on the island but they feel really heavy and there's this ancestral work that is just it's so heavy, it's not joyful. So you you could really push through and get a piece of land and stay in Dominican Republic, but there's something else waiting for you. And she just kept gesturing with her hands, with her eyes closed to this other landmass that was kind of like geographically close, but different. And I would just shake my head and be like, Carla, no, <laughs> like check again, because we have a school here. I have a house here. My nanny slash like you know support biggest support in my life. Everyone is here. I'm not leaving the effing Island. Like no, check again. But she kept uh, she kept saying, "I see a blue house with or maybe with like a blue roof, and it's definitely not in the Republic. And there's so much joy. The energy there is so much lighter and more joyful." I had no idea what that meant. It felt exhausting to even imagine that we would uproot and like sell our home and what pack a container. I mean, I couldn't even imagine that we would do this. But then when we were pregnant,
1: think,
0: yeah, yeah, from from pregnant when'm always pregnant. <laughs> I was actually going through my miscarriage, and I received maybe the most beautiful email I've ever received from a woman. Is really, really dear to my heart and always will be. She wrote, you don't know me, but I've adored you for many years I've followed you on Instagram. And our dreams are very similar. I've, I'm watching you, you know, heal from a miscarriage and, and in your search for land, in your search for meaning. We are in Costa Rica. Why don't you and Rob come just jump on a plane? We don't know each other, but let's meet and see if if it aligns because we are looking for, for family to start a homestead project. with, and that's what we did. And I love her so much. Um, it's, it's so beautiful. She took care of me in my, in my pregnancy and postpartum with this last baby. And um, she was really such an angel in my life. So that's how it happened. <laughs> All of a sudden, Costa Rica was on the map and it, and it hadn't been before. And so it was the transition from Dominican Republic and staying for a couple months in, in Canada. So I guess I did stay in my parents' basement. <laughs> I did come back <laughs> for a little while. And then, yeah, it was just like the leap. Right. I felt like I was standing at the edge of the cliff. And I was begging the universe to please, please show me where to leap next, please, because I knew that Canada was not it. And so, yeah, Costa Rica was the next was the next step. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. So you get there, you have your baby, you find your land. I mean, you can go into any aspects of this that you want, but I want to hear about Nikki coming into your lives specifically and what your life looks like now.
0: Yeah. You know, so Instagram is so interesting. Like the algorithm kind of sees who you connect with and then shows you posts and comments sometimes from, from a while back. So it was really interesting because Nikki and I had never met, but we were following each other as mamas in this web, right? Like I'm sure everyone listening to this has had an experience like that of deeply connecting with someone with Feeling deeply connected to someone on Instagram, and maybe never meeting them in person, or meeting them eventually, and so it was kind of like that. We were having babies at the same time, mm-hmm. and I remember considering the name Gaia for for Zion, if Zion had been a girl, and so she she called her her baby girl Soleil Gaia, and so we connected over that. And she was just so kind, and we would comment on each other's things back and forth for years, four years. And I remember once she commented, you know, we'd love to have you in Costa Rica. We have a little guest house. I hope that you come and visit one day. I just adore you and our kids can play. And I remember reading that and thinking, oh, Nikki, you're so sweet. But that'll literally never happen. (laughs) (laughs) Because we were in Dominican Republic. And why would you go from one beautiful, warm place to another with a bunch of kids? Right? Well... Little did we know. (laughs) And so that first trip to Costa Rica to scope things out, we were only coming for about maybe four or five days. And it just so happened that there was an ayahuasca ceremony. I was too pregnant to attend, but Rob got very excited about going. And so he did. And there was this place called the Garden of Eden. How fitting. He went to the ceremony and Nikki was there. And I remember I, I brought him there. Like I, we drove there together and everyone was wearing white and it was so beautiful. And Nikki recalls seeing us come out of the car and she just kind of, you know, had to rub her eyes. I'm like, are, are they for real? Are my, am I seeing straight? Is this Katya and Rob? Because it was the very first time that, that we would be meeting in real life. And so Nikki and Rob sat in an ayahuasca ceremony dealing with a lot of their own shit and releasing past relationships basically at the same time uh, and opening up to source and opening up to being surprised and delighted by what came next at the same time. Isn't it isn't
1: it totally wild? Mm. She had three kids and she is done with with that relationship at the same time yes
0: yeah she had been going through a divorce and she recalls that ayahuasca ceremony as kind of the initiation of surrender of true surrender to to what was next and releasing the the sadness and just the the grief too around that relationship ending and I remember so her kids were there in the morning and I made a joke that her kids looked like Rob's kids. Like I knew, I'm telling you, I knew, <laughs> I knew this was, this was going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Her kids could like, they all look like they could be Rob, Rob's kids.
1: Wow. <laughs> so the yeah. seven of your kids that are now all being raised together, mm-hmm. look like they're real siblings. They do. <laughs> they 100% do. Okay, so now so you guys found this piece of land, and my understanding is that Rob and Nikki are in the main house with the mm-hmm. kids, and you're mm-hmm. in on the land, but you have your own space.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think here I, I really want to talk about manifestation a little bit. And I'm, you know, it's a little bit of a cringeworthy term because we use it and overuse it. But I really was calling in help from the universe because I just felt like I was on my knees begging for such a long time for for relief, really, for relief because it was to so much intensity around pregnancy and birth and living out of suitcases and not knowing where to land, Um, looking for land for like a year and a half and just not getting any answers. And so there's just something to be said about surrender. And I already mentioned, like, maybe my biggest prayer is to be surprised and delighted. Mm -hmm. I really like to say that I am open to the universe surprising and delighting me. Something that simple, and so this place where we are now, as we, um, so Rob and Nikki are building a house right now on this this piece of land that we that we closed on. My yurt is coming. It's been taking a bit longer than usual because of the state of the world. But the universe really did surprise and delight us because in this small quaint town in Costa Rica. We found a place very, very easily to rent that has a main house um, that's big enough for, for all of our family needs. And five minutes down the hill is a cabin. This is where I'm recording with you now and you may hear cows and 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 birds chirping so it it really could not be any more perfect because we wanted togetherness and we also wanted boundaries and healthy separation and so the most common question we get is what about the kids how did you break the news to the kids was it hard um was it traumatic and I'm really just amazed at how it all unfolded because first we started as friends. Nikki was coming over. We were cooking dinners together. All the kids were together. And kids don't really, you know, they like they don't want labels. They don't care. They they're getting love. They're getting snacks. <laughs> they're good, right? And so with this living situation, we're all on the same property. And so to the kids, Auntie Katya or Mommy is down in the cabin where she works and sleeps. (laughs) But it, it feels to them like this is my office and they can come visit me anytime. But then we're still all together. We're still all living together. And that feels so beautiful and so important to me. And because Nikki is just one of the most beautiful humans, maybe the most beautiful human you'll ever meet. She is pure love. She is love embodied. She would kind of divide and conquer a little bit. So I'm here working right now to be able to afford the land, to be able to feed our family. And she is feeding our family in a a different way. She's really brilliant with all things nourishment, spiritual and physical. She used to run, own, and co own, and run a restaurant in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And so she's just such a genius when it comes to potions and making food that the kids devour even though they're all really picky eaters um, and so it just really really works
1: I mean you know even I'm sure literally every mother listening even the ones who are judging are like I want that <laughs> you know I am jealous of yeah. this I am jealous that you have all this space to be alone and to work that you have someone else in the kitchen <laughs> Like, I know and and that you love her, and that you're good friends, and that your kids have this amazing extended play community and love community, like yeah. they're so lucky to have you two as their mama aunties and and so I also you know like yeah, manifesting can be cringy, but I think people also kind of turn their noses up at the idea of following your heart, but I am such a strong believer in that. I talk about this all the time. Like you can see the difference in people who are happy and living the life that they wanted versus those who aren't. And obviously there are like bigger systems in our lives. And I understand all that, but it's just each step along the way. Do you follow the heart strings that are pulling you forward? Or do you say, I can't do that out of fear or whatever it is? whatever it is. And so like, yeah, like you said, you, you had a vision, you had multiple visions that didn't come to fruition, but look at this beautiful place that you have landed.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And it it really is humbling to realize that it, there's never really an end goal. Like we think that we're going to be happy when we get to this place or that it's a windy ass road, I'm telling you. <laughs> we have to keep putting one foot in front of the other, which again is a cliche, but it it's true. You have to follow what feels more expansive. You absolutely do. And it will lead to another heart expanding step. And I don't know what's next. Maybe we'll record another episode in a year and my life will look Completely different, right? But it's fine, it's finding joy now. And it's um it's just being okay with with the wild unknown.
1: Yeah. And I really appreciate how completely honest and open you are about all of it. Despite the fact that you have over a hundred thousand followers and plenty of judgment and hate coming at you for it, we are in a time where people and couples are choosing alternatives and just to have people blazing those trails and and being real about it i think is super important so i now want to talk about nourishment food you know, one thing we haven't said through all this is that you were vegan through almost every part of the story that you've shared so far until very recently. And I want, let's start with you mentioned Carly Ray. So I recently watched her and Rochelle Garcia Soliga, who's been on my podcast twice, who is a part of your confessions project. They did this online course called Mother Foods. And it blew my mind when Carly, who uh, does internal pelvic work on women as a body worker, talked about. The women who don't have plant foods in their diet have like brittle tissue down Mm. there. Hey, just jumping in real quick to correct two mistakes in something I just said. The first you probably figured out is I'm talking about women who don't eat animal foods, not women who don't eat plant foods, of course. And I wasn't sure if brittle was the right word that Carly actually used. So I got in touch with her and she said that brittle is not correct, but the tissue inside the pelvic area, when she's doing internal work, it's less responsive, more dehydrated and just less potent. It doesn't communicate back to her in women who do not have animal foods in their diet. Mm-hmm. Oh, that blew my mind. And the ones who do have this supple tissue as it should be, I'm still like wrapping my mind around this. Um, and so, yeah, I let's, let's talk about your food journey and, and again, this big deal moment that every ex-vegan has when they reveal how they've changed their food choices.
0: Ton ton ton. I love that you're going there. And I was kind of chuckling to myself a moment ago because an interesting segue to, you know, between like the haters and, and um, transitioning to, to veganism is I'm not sure when I got more hate and more unfollows. Like it's a tie. Uh, <laughs> when I shared that I'm, you know, go, gonna go see a lover while pregnant. Or when I announce that I'm introducing a- animal foods into my diet, mm-hmm. people really got their panties up in a bunch mm-hmm. about <laughs> both of those things. And I really think that that sharing honestly does more good. <laughs> it's a war- it was worth it. It was mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah, good. That's good to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I absolutely adore Carly Ray and Rochelle Garcia Saliga. Um, for anyone who is hasn't seen that class, I'm sure that they have a replay. And also we t- we cover those topics extensively in the confessions, which is coming out and will be evergreen as well. And so, yeah, what a journey. I mean, this look loops right back into my story of painful sex and how it felt like there were like shards of glass. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that it that it could could be linked to my nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because years later, I would find out from practitioners like Carly Ray, also, Kimberly Ann Johnson um, is a somatic practitioner who has done a lot of hands in, hands on work. And so, what these practitioners notice is that the tissues, I'm talking internally, of women who are plant based feel different they are less resilient when it comes to recovering from birth my midwife friend here in costa rica said that often when she's stitching someone it really feels like the she's like jelly it doesn't even hold um, mm. sutures mm. To get- oh wow yeah, to, to give a visual. And I was lucky not to have torn in, in my birth experiences. But this is what birth workers and sexological body workers are noticing. Because we are not, if we are plant-based, the truth is that no, it's not we cannot get everything from the collagen powder and the the chickpea burgers. We need animal fats we absolutely need those fat soluble vitamins that only come from animal foods only and so it was a really humbling journey for me then just now i'm speaking so passionately about this and this is why i i started this container of conversations of how our vegan journeys affect our health in every way every way and so we're just beginning to see, and it's these frontline professionals, right? Who work with the female pelvis, who are noticing what's actually happening. So I love Carly. Um, recently, she talked about how, so she's in a new relationship and her, her boyfriend was saying, your pussy feels like butter. Like it's like mm. buttery, just so juicy and so soft. Mm. And um, yeah, we, I was telling her that I'm getting the same responses because I've been doing her course called flesh and blood, which is really amazing. And so uh, we work on our own with, with our own tissues and I've been nourishing myself so, so well over the last maybe year, especially in postpartum recovering after Zavi. And I'm happy to report, <laughs> I told you I'm on an open book. And I, so I've had a few lovers, Since um yeah, since recovering from from my last birth, and the comments I get are phenomenal about my pussy.
1: This is still just blowing my mind. This is how deep real nourishment goes. So, okay, I'm curious, like, why you became vegan, what your belief systems were, why you felt that this was best, and then I don't know this story. What finally? opened you to the possibility, the reality that you needed animal foods in your diet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, so big. I want to start by saying that we all want to be good. And everyone listening to whether you've ever had a vegan stint or you're still a vegan, I love you. We want to do the right thing. We don't want to cause harm. And so it just, Especially for a young mind, and we discuss this a lot from every angle in the confessions, we want to do the right thing. And because what we're putting on our plate is a choice that we're making literally you know two, three, four times a day, it's right there in front of us. It's kind of easy to deduce. like, oh look, there's no death on my plate. I'm not participating, <laughs> right? i i'm I'm doing the right thing. And so for many people, it feels really good. And then, add on top of that, the component of kind of cleansing and feeling lighter. And, you know, you and I talked about that at length in your amazing talk for the confessions. We feel good and often for a long time. I mean, just the other day I had a message, um, a kind one at least from a mama of five who is vegan, just a follower. And yeah, and she's got like, I think 20,000 followers. And she's saying, you know, like, look at me. I breastfed all my babies. I'm fine. My babies look healthy. I have a ton of energy. I've been vegan for X amount of years. And it's like, yes, how wonderful. I'm so happy for you. And can we talk about long-term health? Are you open to talking about long-term health and the impact that this is having? And generational health generational health exactly and for me it was actually i have to thank my dad who is very diplomatic and tactful and i think zion my first was maybe a year and a half and i breastfed him pretty much till two i remember my dad saying because my my parents were devastated that i was (laughs) vegan and that i was intending to raise my children vegan and I remember my dad saying, just sitting down with me so gently, so gently, and saying, okay, okay, I trust you. Can you answer me this? Can you be 100% sure that he's getting everything he needs? Are, can you say beyond any reasonable doubt Yes, you've read the China study and seen a few documentaries and motherly intuition, blah, blah. Can you be sure? Because you were being fed eggs and broth and every kind of traditional sacred food. Liver, when you were a little girl, you were healthy. When your mother was pregnant with you, she was eating all those foods. When you were little... No, so yes, you, you, you are a healthy woman because you are built from those building blocks. Can you say the same? He just offered me that question. That, that's, that's all he said. And everything began, You know, my ideology and my conviction began to crumble brick by brick because I could not say yes to that question.
1: And that was like five years ago or something. So was this like an, a slow unraveling for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was considering, like, okay, I guess let's see, if, maybe I'll feed him some eggs, maybe. But then my breast milk wasn't. I felt like it was, you know, enough. And then when he was about two years old, maybe two and two and a half, Zion's teeth became, began crumbling mm. out of his mouth. And for any mother, this is devastating. It is scary. And devastating.
1: His teeth were soft like chalk. Mm -hmm. So that led me. Shameful too, because everyone else can see it. Yes,
0: exactly. Exactly. It was it was right there. And so that began the wonderful rabbit hole of Weston A Price. Thank goodness, I'm not sure how that entered my field. Again, we dive deep into this in, in the Confessions project. The first thing that I realized was the connection of vitamin K two, which is only found in animal grass fed animal sources, and bone and teeth health. And because teeth form in utero, I had a fully vegan pregnancy. Proud and vegan. Hashtag the shit out of that. <laughs> <laughs> it made sense to me, and it was really humbling and really sad. I began. Eating those foods myself. So we did, and I know people look down on um, cod liver oil. There's a lot of controversy around that, but I got at the time the best quality that I could. It was a Norwegian brand that I think called Rosita, it was um, cold pressed Norwegian cod liver oil. So Zion was getting that high vitamin butter ghee because ironically i had come from an ayurveda background which is a whole other <laughs> whole other story and um and so slowly we were introducing these foods there's a book that i bought called curing tooth decay mm. which is very western a pricey and so then after the kind of like the gateway drug of the cod liver oil and the ghee then we started getting into organ meats and guess what his teeth literally remineralized mm-hmm. it was extraordinary of course we couldn't bring back that which already had crumbled and his teeth were kind of still like yellowish but they were strong yeah, yeah. luckily they not were not for a whole lot of time because now he has like he has a mouth full of metal caps
1: oh on his big boy teeth well he's, I mean they're they adult teeth?
0: No, not yet no okay. no that's good yeah like I don't I'm not going to go too deep into it but you know people can make their own dis- own conclusions about this but my parents actually took him to a dentist
1: in, uh, in Canada your older boys stayed with your parents for a while while you were figuring mm-hmm. out where you were going to land in Costa Rica
0: that's right so it wouldn't have been my choice I would have preferred to find a holistic dentist mm-hmm. but I just have to trust that this is part of part of my journey and I have to forgive myself for that
1: mm. <sighs> parenting <laughs> all the overwhelming choices we make um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so okay how, so how long were you eating this way before you came out on Instagram that you had oh. met? <laughs> <gasps> Yeah, that's a a great one. So I was
0: honest because like as soon as his teeth started remineralizing and I could see, I'm telling you, I could see the difference. I was like, well, I can't. I I cannot be living a lie. I cannot still be sharing all my, and I was still cooking plant-based mostly for us because that's just been the way for so long. I made a couple of posts about Zion's teeth And I was flooded with messages that were really beautiful and supportive. Also messages from dentists who just were saying, you're stupid for not taking him to the dentist and for trying to fix it with nutrition. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're a negligent mother for Mm -hmm. attempting that. And then the majority of the energy pouring (laughs) into, into this confession, was from the angry vegans because my I, I, and my entire following had grown to i think the top was like 124 25,000 and almost overnight it went down by like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people <laughs> yeah yeah and the hate poured in i mean people took the time to write really really mean emails even like they found my email yeah and and some of them were people with really big followings too I'm not going to name but there's one mama in Hawaii who's has a really big following really beautiful photos really like inspirational content and she just tore me a new one she wrote me an email that was so long about how how dare I do this to to the you know, I'm the beacon of, I was the beacon of the vegan community. And now I'm spreading misinformation. Oh and all
1: I mean, I've just so many, I've seen so many people go through this with their kids teeth And I've had people privately write me and be like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm not I'm too afraid to say anything. But we had to stop being vegan because my daughter's teeth. And and then I've seen people, you know, come out and be open about that journey, always based on their kids teeth. I have friends who remineralize their kids teeth with nutrition like you did. But, man, it's so interesting, isn't it? How how our diets become our identities. And since. I found Pro Metabolic, which it seems like you and I stumbled upon this at the same time. Um, my most recent podcast episode with Kimber Malden is all about this. You interview Kimber for the confessions. I have had this little tag line in my head, which I don't think I've seen anyone share. And I'm like, why isn't this everyone's like tagline, which is eat for your biology, not your ideology. Eat for. <laughs> Ideology. So how did <laughs> how did you find then just so I stopped being vegan 15 years ago. We talk more about this in my interview for confessions. And then I had 15 years of incorporating animal foods, but not eating for my metabolism. That mm. is just a few months old for me and has made just as big of a difference in the shift in my health as when I stopped being vegan. So how did you find pro-metabolic and how has it been affecting your life? Oh my gosh. I love this so much.
0: Well, I've always been a foodie. Like I love food. I love good food. And because we're such multifaceted beings who have to do it all and sit in front of the computer for so long, you and I talked about this too. It's really easy to kind of come around and realize that it's been Hours since you'd eaten last, and then you're shaky and you're hungry, and you didn't do any food prep, so you go to the fridge, you grab a piece of cheese or you know whatever, make yourself a quick sandwich, and it, so it goes for for many people. And so, combining the ancestral ways of nourishing ourselves, which includes bone broth, fermented foods, um, maybe I'll just stick to those two examples for now requires preparation, requires a little bit of fourth thought. And that's what's needed to eat a pro-metabolic or to live a pro-metabolic lifestyle, which is really great because it's anti-diet. It is not a diet. And I love that so much, whether we've ever been vegan or plant-based or whatnot, even if you never were. Odds are, if you're listening to this, you've experimented with restrictive diets and. Oh, something. Okay, something. Are you a modern woman? <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 Check. 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 So I just love the the freedom within pro metabolic eating because you just eat a little bit of everything, and so I eat honey every time I have. A meal. I try, I really love hot foods and they really work with my constitution. So Nikki's been so amazing at making all kinds of soups and broths. And like we we just always have broth going. Yeah, I we're we're doing a lot of things with organ meats. And I've mastered a liver pate recipe that everyone loves, that we sneak into everything. Mm -hmm. And so food is just it's something that I think about a lot, but I don't obsess about it as much as I did before because there are these beautiful staples that keep us so deeply, deeply nourished and that help curb any cravings. So maybe that's that's kind of what I want to say about that. And then what I really love too is that there's this beautiful thread woven through all of this food preparation and and, and food. Um, it's It's like, it feels poetic to me that that it is also ancestral nourishment and you know i'm i'm really passionate about talking about ancestral healing anytime we are fermenting vegetables there's fer- fermented foods in every culture anytime we are preparing bones for broth or just looking for scraps of veggies for for a broth we are it's our ancestors talking th- through us And nourishing us. And I really, I really, really love that. How what nourishment looks like in our home now.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels so good. Even though it does take time, it takes mental energy. It takes a slowing down that most of us are uncomfortable with. (laughs) But it feels so good when you're really taking care of yourself and your loved ones. It just, I found it to be so worth it. What inspired confessions of a well-nourished woman. This is a huge project. How did it evolve? Like, what was the moment where you're like, I need to gather women and have conversations about this?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for going there with me.
1: So two years ago, the idea for
0: Matriarch Collective came to me at a really uniquely pivotal time on the planet. That's when the pandemic or some people say pandemic whichever you want to <laughs> subscribe to it was just kind of happening began happening and we all were in our homes we didn't know what this was but we knew we wanted to gather and so matriarch collective was it started out as a collection of interviews and talks and classes by women who i thought were true examples of a modern a modern matriarch or, or a, a powerful woman. And these conversations centered around the things that we wish our mothers would have taught us, our foremothers, that they didn't. You and I had a really powerful episode. And I realized that having kind of like a set container, like a collection, really worked beautifully and then we wanted to keep having those conversations so that's how matriarch village you know like was born and so I felt two years later now that there's another container like the 2.0 version of that that was needed and so yes it's good to be having these kind of scattered conversations here and there but I wanted impact and I wanted context and I wanted women to be able to connect the dots in a way that they maybe haven't before which is why even in this conversation we're talking about nourishment we're talking about sex and pelvic floor health and all these things that you'd be surprised right that many women don't think are connected and so the confessions is a project that i'm ready for because i feel strong enough to withstand the, the shit storm <laughs> that, like, comes with having these conversations. I wasn't ready to truly come out. I wasn't ready to take pictures from my Instagram where I'm holding a tray of bone marrow bones. <laughs> now I am. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's a really exciting project because I started gathering confessions of women who were vegan and then yeah just like me they they each had a story of of healing but then I realized that it's so much bigger than that I didn't want this collection to be just a collection of stories of how oh, my kids teeth were falling out and and I stopped being vegan because when we talk about being x something we're not necessarily talking about like what's next right and so are we going to swinging to the polar opposite of that and going to a full carnivore diet, which is still restrictive? Mm. Are we doing keto, which is also can be quite intense. So I wanted to be in a position where not only am I talking about the ex-vegan journey, but also giving this really grounded perspective on what do we do now? Yeah, and that's where pro-metabolic comes in and all these extraordinary women like Carly Rae and Kimberly Ann Johnson and Rochelle Garcia Saliga and so many others who actually, you know, they won't, or Kelly Brogan as well, they won't even work with with someone who's not willing to eat at least a tiny bit of, of animal foods.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you're even bringing it a little bit, Beyond food and nourishment too. Like you you interviewed Michaela, who was on my podcast a couple episodes ago. Amazing. You guys talk about sex and psychedelics.
0: Oh honestly, it was one of my favorite conversations sure. that I've ever had yes. with anybody ever. Yes,
1: me too. She was <laughs> on my show. Love her. Oh, it was amazing.
0: It was amazing. Yeah, I absolutely yes. adore her.
1: So you're focusing on nourishment in a really big picture sense. I can't wait to watch it all. I thought, I think that matriarch was a brilliant idea and I loved the way it worked. I loved once I was in just scrolling through and, oh yes, I want to watch this interview. Oh yes, I want to hear what this person has to say. And there's a lot too. It was like bang for your buck. So how, how does this work? Like Let people know if they're interested in confessions, what, what that looks like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this time we're doing it even better. I am getting our team to kind of cut up each of the, each person's segment, because we do dive so deep into 15, 20 minutes kind of lessons. And so there is a beautiful, it's essentially a really beautiful course that you're getting for $97. If you're listening to this before the end of April, um, after that, it's a bit more expensive, but so worth it. I mean, if you were to get a consultation with any one of these brilliant women, it would be, you know, that price or more so it's like thousands of dollars of value and we're going to put it on sale probably twice a year um as well so yeah whenever you're listening to this to the, this talk it's it's definitely meant to be super affordable because everybody needs this if you're living in a in a female body or if you love someone in a female body they need to have these conversations. Um yes yeah, so it's a beautiful course we talk about deep nourishment in every way and it's really entertaining too I mean these topics can get mm, quite heavy. And, and for heady. me, of us heady,-huh, and steeped in shame because we realized maybe we had been doing it wrong, so to speak, but you know you and I are both so passionate about story medicine. I really believe that is how we learn best. And so um, yeah, there's something for everyone and really, really beautiful and juicy topics are covered. So yeah, psychedelics, sex, pelvic bowl, health,
1: mm-hmm.
0: recipes, Um, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Because what I think is so brilliant about this, this way of doing it too, is that, I mean, I love online courses. I definitely take a lot of them, but I also love conversational learning. Like obviously I have a podcast and things just come through in conversation that don't come through when it's one person speaking into their computer Mm -hmm. and, and things come through stories in a way that they don't when you're just giving facts.
0: Mhm they land completely differently for us
1: yeah and so it's it's basically this giant library mm-hmm. of conversations mhm yeah and you can browse like, topics and yeah, or go okay. by by speaker uh-huh. mm-hmm. um and then with Matrix, at least there was i know there's just like all these bonuses and extras and live meetups on Zoom and like really a very well done. You can tell you put your whole heart and soul into it. Amazing connections happening. I found so many new people and friends through Matriarch. So I am just honored to be a part of it. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad you and I finally had this conversation for Medicine Stories too. Mm, I love that so much. Oh, I should
0: add. So we're constantly like, oh, you know, let's make sure that the confessions is really you know, easeful and not as intense as it was because it was essentially a festival that I put on an online festival um, last time. But of course we're adding more layers and more complexity, but it's so much fun because Nikki and I are co-teaching a masterclass. She's mostly doing the teaching. I'm just going to crack jokes, which is going to be called Cosmic Meal Plan for Picky Eaters. I think something like that. Because she's honestly like she's just so brilliant with the way that she she feeds our little <laughs> tribe of little oh, seven man. kids. <laughs> seven little ones. And I think we're also gonna have a virtual dinner party.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's a couple of chefs that I'm obsessed with, who with whom I'm in conversation with. And so we're talking about doing like a ritual cooking class where you could have ingredients ahead of time prepared, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to drop in and and do beautiful prayer and actually cook together. I'm really looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to learn from Nikki too because hearing you talk about the way she comes up with food for the kids. That's what I need. And that's, I mean, I, I need recipes. I need people being like, here, this, this is how you do it. Like, I just, I don't have that particular genius in the kitchen. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And like, honestly, there's so many times that I come up around dinner time, and I look, and like, how did you, how did you get them to eat this? Uh-huh. Like they're all they're all eating it and they're not saying anything. How did you do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even more than um, than recipes, part of her genius is telling you straight up how she makes it and the variations. You mm-hmm. know, because sometimes we can get paralyzed if we kind of see a list of ingredients. You're like, well, I'm not going to even attempt to make this
1: mm-hmm. unless
0: I have every single thing on the list. So what I love is that she she really teaches like the basic concept and then, and then what it whatever you have in the fridge, you can like template. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. I can't, wait. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm so excited for this. When I first saw you posting about it, I was like, yes, 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 yes. And as it builds, you know, I've been, I've been like promoting it <laughs> in my stories because I know, it. I mean, the feedback I'm getting from my episode with Kimber is so overwhelming. It's mm-hmm. crazy how uninformed we are, how far astray we've gone from ancestral and biological wisdom when it comes to nourishing ourselves. And so I just, my heart is in this. My heart has been in this for 15 years since I first transitioned from a vegan diet and really started being wildly curious about what true nourishment is. Yeah. What are some of the things that people are saying? Just that either they have, this is new to them and they're like, I, I literally cried listening because this is what I want in my life. And I've been so confused. Something that I said in that episode, and this is something my husband Owen said to me too, is that everything I've ever heard about food and nutrition that did or did not make sense to me makes sense within the pro-metabolic framework. And I had someone write the exact same thing to me. She's like, once I found it, it was like everything that had been confusing became clear. Mm. Um, And someone else, what did she write about? Like clearing up her Hashimoto's. I mean, it's just extreme gratitude Hmm. for being introduced to a way of eating based on biology, not ideology. And I feel like, I mean, I have been talking about nourishment for 15 years online. I, I told you in my talk with you that everything I do online now can be traced back to my first blog in 2008 called Nourished Mother mother, I mean, like here I still am. And there's so much more information now and so many women who are smarter and more experienced than I am. and so I'm just I love being this is what I think of my role as a podcast host is just being a connector, a bridge between people and other people, between people and ideas. And I'm just I'm so glad you're doing all the work for this, so I don't have to, but I can just send people over to it. But isn't it so
0: cool how as the consciousness rises, it's like after a rain, there's like all these mushrooms popping up at the same time. We're all talking about this at the same time. I had no idea that Rochelle and Carly were planning that class and they had been planning it actually for more than a year. Mm -hmm. It just so happened with this beautiful synchronicity that we're all having this conversation. So clearly this is the healing that we're all longing for. And the the prayer is being answered.
1: Yeah. I'm going to say one more thing too, that I've said a number of times on this show, which is that if we are trying to connect with our ancestors, be in ancestral remembrance, we need to be doing things that our ancestors would recognize. And so this deep nourishment with animal foods, absolutely like 100% of our ancestors, unless you happen to have a vegan parent would recognize this.
0: Hmm. hmm there's something else that I recently heard that landed so deeply it's that the opposite of holding of holding on isn't letting go it's digestion mm-hmm. and I love that so much we we focus on like cleansing you know and just ridding shedding yeah. purging Riding. letting go purging yeah. all of this stuff and i just think that's it's such a beautiful way to to think about the way we move through the world is to digest and our body our ancient body brilliant body knows what to do with bone broth when we nourish ourselves with yeah with sacred animal. Foods, there is a digestion and a kind of calming to the nervous system and a, and a deep nourishment that happens in a way that our ancestors would have recognized.
1: Mm-hmm. Digesting, metabolizing, integrating, composting, making, making sense of and utilizing optimally what we take in. Mm-hmm. that simple <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> let's do the things we can do to most most best support that system i love it, it was so good talking to you always so yummy i just love you so much i love you too Katya. thank you for being such a brilliant fire of love and energy and goodness and care and compassion Mm, same time next year. <laughs> I'm there. Anything you do, Katya, I'm there. <sighs> okay, another super long info packed. Interview for you all. Thank you so much for listening to the end. So, of course, in show notes, anything that's ever mentioned in this podcast that has a link, there will be a link. And at the top is going to be the link to access the confessions and also the free um, Cosmic Meal Plan for Picky Eaters Masterclass with Katya and Nikki, who you just heard so much about. And of course, Carly Ray is a part of the confessions, so if you want to learn more about those pelvic tissues, I just think this is so fascinating. And I can't wait, cannot wait to watch her interview inside the confessions and, you know, lots of other folks that you probably know and many that you won't know. That's what I loved so much about the matriarch collective that was released in 2020 was being introduced to so many new people. And again, it's not medicine lessons, it's medicine stories. That's, Drink in one another's life wisdom. Okay, as teased in the intro, I want to tell you about the other, call it like a pro metabolic life hack, because it really is, that I hadn't started implementing yet when I recorded the last episode 87 with Kimber Malden, but I have since then, and it's made a huge difference. And I just talked to Kimber a minute ago to make sure I'm explaining correctly what I've experienced with this. So this is a bedtime snack. It's a big thing in the bioenergetic pro-metabolic community to eat something, a little something right before bed if you're in the process of healing your metabolism. So for me, you know, for, for decades, I mean, I remember like my mom saying this back in the day, don't eat for hours before bed. So I, I was doing that for a long, long time. And what had been happening to me recently, I don't know how long it's been, but absolutely waking up sometime between 2 and 6 a.m. And what had been happening more recently was waking up at five every morning on the dot in a panic, not coming out of a weird dream, not related to anything going on in my day-to-day life or the state of the world, but like waking up with cortisol flooding my body at that time. So I now understand that that was because it had been so long since I had eaten last and that my Blood sugar was freaking out. It was totally dropping. And I did not have the glycogen stores to release more sugar into my blood. So glycogen is the name of when sugar is stored in the liver and muscles and people who are really paying attention to their blood sugar balance throughout the day and eating bedtime snacks will have proper glycogen storage. But my body is like not optimized for it because I wasn't giving it enough sugar slash carbs for so many years. So what was happening is my blood sugar was crashing at that time of morning and cortisol was spiking because of that. And I was waking up feeling like shit and then being, you know, tired and just feeling terrible all day. So now what I am doing is a slice of raw cheese. I love raw, but any any slice of any dairy. So Kimber said that dairy is a great bedtime snack because it has all three macros plus calcium and magnesium and caseomorphine, which binds to the opiate receptors in the brain and helps you calm down and feel good. This is why vegans and people say that dairy is like a drug but it's it's a good thing. It's good to feel good. <laughs> you know, those opiate receptors exist in the brain for a reason. We're not like shooting heroin here. So thank you so much Kimber first of all for taking the time to explain this to me so that I can be accurate here in this podcast. So what I'm doing is a slice of raw cheese with honey on top for the sugar and then, you know, whole good salt for just some extra minerals and deliciousness. It tastes so good. If you haven't done cheese and honey before, it tastes so good. And at first I wasn't doing enough honey. So I I started like waking up later and later in the morning, but was still waking up feeling like shit. And then finally I just started doing like more honey than I thought was okay. (laughs) Enough to spit on one slice of cheese still, but like drooping over the sides. And since I've been doing enough honey, I have been sleeping through the night. It's life-changing. It's life-changing, right? Getting enough sleep is everything. So that's been amazing. I've had a number of friends also do this, also texting me, telling me, holy shit, I just slept through the night for the first time since my daughter was born or whatever. So yeah, that's my little pro-metabolic hack for you. I will put a link in the show notes to Kimber's Instagram post all about the magic of a bedtime snack. And you know, I hope that you all find the same healing and like um, sort of mind-blowing discoveries around biology and your body that I have been finding since finding pro-metabolic and there's going to be so much so many more little tips and tricks and recipes and medicine stories like this within the confessions so I really hope to see you there and I love you Thank you for taking these medicine stories in. I hope they inspire you to keep walking the mythic path of your own unfolding self. I love sharing information and will always put any relevant links in the show notes. You can find past episodes, my blog, and our handmade herbal medicines at mythicmedicine.love. We've got reishi, lion's mane, elderberry, mugwort yarrow redwood body oils an amazing sleep medicine heart medicine earth essences so much more more than i can list there mythicmedicine.love while you're there check out my quiz which healing herb is your spirit medicine it's fun and lighthearted, but the results are really in-depth and designed to bring you into closer alignment with both the medicine that you're in need of and the medicine that you already carry and can bring to others. If you love the show, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash medicine stories. It is so worth your while. There are dozens and dozens of killer rewards there, and I've been told by many folks that it's the best Patreon out there. We've got ebooks, downloadable PDFs, bonus interviews, guided meditations, giveaways, resource guides, links to online learning, and behind-the-scenes stuff, and just so much more. The best of it is available at the $2 a month level. Thank you. And please subscribe on whichever app you use. Just click that little subscribe button and review on iTunes. It's so helpful, and if you do that, you just may be featured in a listener spotlight in the future. The music that opens the show is by Marie Sue. That's M-A-R-I-E-E-S-I-O-U-X from her beautiful song, Wild Eyes. Thank you, Marie, and thanks to you all. I look forward to next time.